Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. This is Mamma Mia Daily, the three stories you need to hear today, read by the women who wrote them. I'm editor of mamamia.com.au, Melody Tay, and on today's show, weaponized incompetence in the workplace, and top tips from someone in the midst of wedding planning. But first, the rise of Brotox and why everyone is talking about Joe Jonas's face. Mamma Mia recaps Joe Jonas's unexpected ad for injectables. By me, Chelsea McLaughlin. Joe Jonas was the first man I ever loved. Not to be dramatic, but yeah, it was 2007 and a Jonas Brothers cover version of Kids of America was blasted from the TV into my living room. He was wearing a skinny tie, even skinnier jeans and spiky straightened hair. 14-year-old me was never the same. But life comes at you fast because I'm about to turn 30 and Joe's latest career move is a partnership with cosmetic injectables brand Xeomin. I'm trying really hard not to take this as a personal attack. Basically, one of Joe's best-known bops is Year 3000, and he is keen to carry his same line-free face into that millennium. But the biggest talking point from this new venture is an ad, and it's very important that we unpack it. We open on Joe in bed. He looks fresh. Maybe it's eight hours of sleep. Maybe it's Xeomin. Maybe it's hours of makeup, hair, good lighting and angles. Or the glow of a US $40 million net worth. It could even be because he's only 33. He then gets out of bed. He pulls back the covers to reveal one heck of a shirt choice. Then there's the jewellery and shoes. In bed. My dream has become a nightmare. He walks and talks. Whether I'm home alone or on the road or somewhere in between. I try to take care of my body because I believe less is more, he says. I really care what I put in my body. I want consistent results and I want something that keeps me, well, looking like me. No one knows what this means. It's the injectable marketing equivalent of when your boss emails you something about circling back on the blue sky thinking that merits further discussion. You just nod and hope for the best. Joe tells us there is no one way to define beauty which is technically true. But if there was, his full head of hair, symmetrical face and ability to slot into pretty much all other beauty standards would have him being defined as pretty close to beautiful, I think. Overall, he speaks for 27 seconds. Then it's time to let the quick-talking legal voice you hear at the end of all American healthcare advertising take over for the remaining 73% of the ad. There are approximately 4,500 possible side effects, including death, despair, and growing an extra limb, probably. 
the fine print that reads, don't take Xeomin if you are allergic to Xeomin, is my favourite part. Joe is no longer allowed to speak, but he's still very busy working for this paycheck. He pours water from a carafe. He drinks water that he poured from the carafe. He writes, presumably, songs in a notebook. He ponders these presumed songs he wrote in the notebook. And he plays guitar too, because in case you missed it, he's a musician. Things wrap when Joe gets a text about going to the recording studio. So he and his guitar literally run away. None of this has anything to do with his face, besides the fact that it looks smooth. I'll give him that. And that's literally it. Maybe unsurprisingly, people have their opinions on Joe taking this endorsement. I get it, right? He's getting paid, it's a little cringe, and essentially a company trying to broaden its customer base. But it's also transparent. Did it give Saturday Night Live slash Funny or Die circa 2011 vibes? Yes. Was it the easiest paycheck in history? Probably. Would Joe have been so open about this if he wasn't getting a presumably fat paycheck? Unlikely. Does this just trap men in the same aging-is-bad societal hellhole women have been in for our whole lives? Maybe. Are we mad about that? Not really. Look, talking about faces, cosmetic work and ageing is always complicated. There's so many layers to this conversation. There are entire influencers and YouTube channels dedicated to speculating the work famous women have had, or allegedly had, done to their faces. Those same channels simply do not speculate about men's faces in the same way. Yet, in Hollywood, if it hasn't already filtered down to the men in our lives as it has with women, famous men are putting in just as much work into looking traditionally narrowly good. The skincare, the hair dye, the hair plugs, the facials and the injectables are all happening. And then we gawk at Hollywood men being ageless. If we have to start talking about the men's faces before we can stop this kind of chat altogether, 14-year-old me and 29-year-old me are not mad that it's Joe Jonas leading the discussion. We need to talk about how weaponized incompetence is messing you around at work. By me, Isabella Ross. Many of us have seen the domestic division of labor in the household, which can exist for both opposite-sex and same-sex couples. It shows itself in the physical demands of care and the mental load. But when some women ask their partner to step up and take on their fair share of responsibility, they've been met with weaponized incompetence. This form of manipulation doesn't just exist in the home or in romantic relationships. It also rears its ugly head in the workplace too. It's when someone feigns or exaggerates their inability to perform a task to shift the burden of responsibility onto someone else. That person can be a loved one, a partner, a work colleague, literally anyone. Now, it's important to note that it isn't just men who can rely a little too heavily on weaponized incompetence. But statistically speaking, in the workplace, it's men in powerful positions that are the most common culprits. Of course, there's a distinction between weaponized incompetence and a lack of understanding on how to perform a certain task. And it all circles back to intent. If the individual is purposely avoiding the task at hand simply because they don't feel like doing it, there lies the problem. One woman spoke to Mamma Mia about her experience. In her former workplace, monthly birthday celebrations were always organised by the female colleagues. It was an unwritten norm, with the men claiming they couldn't possibly arrange it properly. So the women had to take turns. 
There were a few attempts to push back from female colleagues, but the results were disastrous. It was like the men purposely did a bad job. A mouldy cake, insufficient drinks, and so on. The woman said that looking back, it was definitely weaponized incompetence. She just didn't have the terminology to explain it back then. It's a story so many women can relate to, but now they're pushing back, and rightly so. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. I'm getting married next year. Here are four things I wish I knew before planning a wedding. By me, Erin Doherty. In case you missed it the first 465 times, my partner and I are getting married. This means that we, I, get to plan our big fancy day. It's all happening in April next year. Your invite's on the way. And it's an easy job that only involves 110 million small tasks that take up 98% of my free time. Of course, I have a cavalry of some very wonderful people to help lighten the load, but goodness, it's a process. There's makeup, hair, photographers, videographers, dresses, shoes, and the exact amount of alcohol needed for 200 Scottish and Irish relatives. It's difficult, especially when you're not the kind of person that would describe themselves as a planner. So here's what I've learned so far. Number one, set a budget before you start. Ha! A budget? Ah, we'll work it out, I thought. And then I just started laying down deposits and things got really expensive. And I'm actually not that great at maths and numbers. Look, it's fine. It's not fine. But the cost of things blow out so quickly and things, things just happen. However, I reckon we should have at least set some kind of ballpark budget before we started. I mean, we're here now, it is enormously expensive and we might have to sell our firstborn, but you know, I think it just would have helped me gauge things a little better. Number two, you might not know what kind of dress you want. You know how some people just have this vision of what their dream wedding dress is like? Yeah? How cute is that? I've never had that. Like, I knew I wanted it to be white and nice, but I never had a specific image of what I would be wearing, meaning... I've had to try on all of the dresses in all of the styles to get an idea of what I liked. So I went to a bunch of different bridal stores in Sydney and I honestly loved the experience, frothed over it. It was fun. There was champagne. My besties were there. Lots of lols. But while there were so many beautiful dresses that all looked spectacular and made me look like a bride, I didn't quite feel like me in any of them. I didn't get the this is the one feeling. And I started to get a little worried that I might never get that feeling. On a visit to my fourth, fifth bridal store, I tried on six different dresses and still nothing felt right. I was flustered, red and panicky when the lovely store manager Tanya said she thought I should try on one last dress. It was black. And look, having a white dress was the only thing I knew I wanted. So I said no. Tanya persisted and said they could make it in white. 
I reluctantly tried it on and I got to tell you, I felt the most beautiful I've ever felt in a dress. And gosh darn it, Tanya was right. It wasn't at all what I expected, but it just felt very correct. Also, I don't want to brag, but the wedding song from Twilight was playing when I was trying it on and what a moment. Number three, you'll think about your guest list a lot. Because sometimes your partner goes away on deployment in the lead up to your wedding and you can't contact him to ask why you both didn't look at the guest list before he left. And now you're doing save the dates with the names listed in the notes section of your phone. And it's all very inconvenient. It becomes the last thing you think about before you go to bed at night and you wake up at 2.33am because shit, did you add your partner's second cousin's girlfriend? Should you? Maybe you should though. We chose to go big for a variety of different reasons. Read Irish Catholic Family. But I've also been really scared of offending anyone who I love very much. And I love a lot of people. And honestly, the whole culling thing is horribly hard. And while your partner slash any male will almost always tell you to cut people and be brutal about it, because who cares? You care. Heaps. The guest list. It's quite the task. Number four, you'll spend all of your free time doing wedding stuff. Planning a wedding is like a second job, and I'm spending a disgusting amount of time inhaling a whole load of wedding content, mostly on Instagram, Pinterest, and sites like Wedshed, but also wedding magazines. I have so many wedding magazines because it's so fun and pervy seeing what other people do and don't do. The flowers, the shoes, the cake, the first dance, the walking down the aisle reactions, all the details. But then I'll find myself scrolling on my phone at 2.30pm, searching for more and more delicious inspo, and it's becoming an issue. I feel like I get stuck in an endless spiral of wedding content every time I look at my phone. And Zuck, he knows exactly what strings to pull. So sneaky. Anyway, I'll catch you later. Very busy, lots on. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mamma Mia Daily. And for more from our writers, make sure you check out their online profiles in the show notes. I'm Melody Tay, editor of mamamia.com.au. Our show's executive producer is Talissa Bazaz, and our audio editor is Tom Lyon. See you next time with the three stories you need to hear read by the women who wrote them. A big thanks to anyone listening who has become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles of Mamma Mia. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. So for more information, head to mamamia.com.au forward slash subscribe.